0: think about the kinds of questions that they're asking themselves. Um and a, a really simple content formula is I am a something who wants to learn about something so that I can do something. So if you think about all your content approaching it from that type of way, um you can start to build that audience intent and understand what the point of why why we're here and why we're writing this. what what are we doing this
1: for? This is Ezra Firestone from smartmarketer dot com, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy. On the Productive Insights podcast. Best podcast
0: you ever listen to. Listen to every episode. Welcome to the Productive Insights podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to productiveinsights.com.
1: Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Today's guest is an expert in search engine optimization and content marketing and was introduced to me by Rand Fishkin. She's a partner at Kickpoint Marketing. She helps turn around a lot of marketing BS into real strategies to grow your business. She specializes in helping clients make the most out of every marketing dollar and her number one goal is to help you to achieve your business goals. She's spoken at Moscon, SearchLove, SearchFest and a lot of other leading events relating to search and search engine optimization. I'm delighted to welcome Dana DiTomaso. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. Great to have you on the show, Dana. So, Dana, let's start by talking about quality content. What do you believe is quality content and what sort of content gives a great return on of investment? And in your answer, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about the direction you see Google is headed in and, you know, maybe some future pacing where you see, you know, content marketing and search engine optimization heading in the future.
0: Yeah, so I think um, I'll actually start by talking about where I think Google is going because I think that that leads into where content should go. So Google has always tried to provide the best answer possible based on the search. Uh And that used to be the most keywords, you know, in the early, early days, the most popular thing, but really what they're trying to do, and especially with the announcement of RankBrain, which really wasn't much of a surprise that that was coming, you know, Google is basically trying to mimic, as a human being, what would you want to find? And we especially see this in the local algorithm when you consider how important reviews are, in terms of what comes up in those map-based searches. So, Google's basically trying to become a human being, a concierge who's going to find you the best result at any given time for whatever
1: crazy stuff you're searching for. I love that term, by the way, concierge or human being. Now, that's interesting because that's very similar to what Rand Fishkin and Mm -hmm. Eric Enger said when I interviewed them in previous episodes of this podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we're all of one mind about this. Yeah. So, so I think what that means for content is that you can't just crank out. You see these people who are like, I'll write you five, 300 word blog posts on topics of your choice. Like that, that is not the answer. And so good content has to come from a place of who's my audience? What are they going to respond to? What questions do they have? And then how do I present the best option? For this, uh-huh. for this question. And I think that a lot of people don't spend enough time doing audience research before they build content. You know, they, they do some keyword research and then they say, oh, well, people are Googling, you know, how do I, you know, fix my clogged toilet? And then they write a blog post about that as opposed to saying, okay, so who is actually Googling this? How does that relate to the kind of customer that I want to attract as a result of that? And then how do I write the right piece of content that they're not only going to find engaging, but also want to contact me, hopefully, at the end of this? Uh-huh. Um, we have a content client we work with, an accountant, and they come up all the time for searches related to attacks in Ontario, Canada, HST. And they have a number of different articles about it. It's almost as if they're providing a public service because the search results for this are quite terrible. They don't get a ton of business from it, but they get a lot of traffic and a lot of people trust them based on the opinion of other things because they have such good content on this topic that, that where there's really that, that void. And so they understand that they're reaching out to small business owners who are looking to answer questions around HST. It isn't sales content, it's educational content. And a lot of people aren't willing to take that risk of saying, I'm just going to write something because the information is not out there. And then maybe I'll reap the rewards from it later. It's, it's more providing a public service than worrying about how am I going to make money off of this?
1: Okay, so your view is content in and of itself isn't necessarily going to generate ROI or return on investment directly. It's more about brand building and based on the quality of your content, Mm -hmm. the trust levels, the know, like and trust model is or know, like and trust relationship grows and that flows into a client relationship.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think you can say this content is driving ROI. You know, we got X number of leads or whatever, but you also have to think about the people who come to the site, look at a piece of content, six months later, they're doing another search. And they're like, what's that company I was looking at? And then do some searches to get that site back up again and then contact you. Um and maybe they pick up the phone and call, and it's not a call tracking number, so you don't have a record of how that person got there. When you ask them, how did you find it? They're like, oh, I did some searches for some stuff. <laughs> they never yeah. actually know. So I think it is very, uh, I think it's really short-sighted to say, look, if I don't see immediate ROI on this blog post that I've written, then forget it. Um, and on the other hand, too, a lot of people write blog posts and they put zero promotion into it. Yeah, you know, there's millions and millions of pieces of content being you know, crapped out on the internet every day. So what is, what makes yours special and how, what are you doing to make sure that your audience pays attention to it? Um, you know, Google now, for example, is a good, is, is a good example of this where you have the Google now app and the people haven't used it and you work in marketing, you should install that app. It's available for iPhone and it's default on Android and start using it and see the kinds of things that Google is coming and recommending for you. And if you're a big publisher, certainly one of the questions you need to ask yourself is, how do I get my stuff on Google Now? And as a small publisher, you have to start understanding how Google Now chooses things out of that ecosystem and thinking when Google opens this up so that it isn't just stuff from major websites coming up, like your local newspaper, or if you're really into football, you know ESPN or whatever it might be. But how do I get my stuff starting to come up on there if people are Googling specific problems that I can answer with my content?
1: Okay, so Google Now sounds. I've never heard of this app actually, but it sounds like. Uh, oh, you have to start using it. <laughs> oh, I will absolutely after this conversation.
0: Yeah, it, it, it is. The, it is the concierge that I mentioned earlier, and so in Google Now, for like, I'm gonna. I'll load up my Google Now. Actually, okay. I use it all the time, and it's really quite awesome and creepy. So,
1: <laughs> awesome and creepy. I love that.
0: Maybe yeah. it'll come through. So you can see, you know, there's the yeah. weather for Edmonton. Yeah. And then let's see, what's the next thing? It's a Edmonton counselor. So it's telling me about some stuff from Edmonton mm-hmm. about Trump on SNL. Cause I Googled something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oilers, because if you live in Edmonton, of course you like hockey. Yeah. Um, Something about the CFL game, it's letting me know that uh, there's a football game tonight, the Bills versus Jets, because I'm in fantasy football, and I do a lot of Googling for that. And also, uh, where I parked my car, in case I forget. Mm-hmm. So it's re- and it does things like, uh, if I have a package coming, it'll say, here's where it is with UPS. Wow. If I have a flight upcoming, it'll let me know if the flight's delayed. So it's, it's enormously useful, and it is that concierge. But the recommended articles are where I'm really interested. Okay. And that's that's the thing for publishers. How do I come up there and how would I make that happen? And when you travel as well it does recommended attractions. So wow. Yeah as yeah you know, forget tripadvisor how do you get on google how do you get on google now? Yeah.
1: I'm so getting that app. <laughs> So that's the first thing I'm going to do after this conversation, download Google Now, and I'll put a link on the show notes as well to Google Now. Now, in case if you're watching this on, on YouTube or the video version, as opposed to listening on the podcast, in case you're wondering what that sign is behind Dana, that's mm-hmm. actually a joke, Yes, Yes, it
0: is a joke. Yeah. My, my lovely coworkers thought it would be funny. Um, I'm born in 74, but they decided to make it 64.
1: So they made this for me for my my birthday. Cool. Oh, it's your birthday today.
0: (laughs) No, no, it was my birthday. It was my birthday in October. I just still got it up. Yeah. (laughs) Cool.
1: All right. Okay, so coming back to our discussion around content, Mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about why you think it's so important for businesses to use high value content marketing strategy to grow their brand? I appreciate that content doesn't necessarily pay off per piece of content that you write. It's about brand building. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on how businesses can use it to really further themselves.
0: Uh, especially if you're thinking about a small business, one of the big signals that Google uses when they're thinking about who they're going to rank is the quality of your brand. And that could be things like getting press mentions, for example. So you get written up in a local newspaper, that's a press mention, therefore your brand is stronger. And one of the things that can make that happen is by having that high quality content. Um, One of the tactics that we think about when we're doing um, strategies, digital strategies for our clients is who are the local people in your market reporters who are writing about your topic? You know, let's follow them on Twitter. Let's write these things. But then if somebody Googles, you know, vet who will talk to the media in my city, Uh uh, we want to make sure that we've got a page that, you know, media, here's who you contact. And so that's a really nice way to get those kinds of media mentions, which are really strong for brand building. Um, and of course they're going to check out your website when they go there, they're going to see the high quality content that's there and they're going to trust you that you're going to be able to deliver a good interview. Um, and if you have other interviews, like add them to the
1: site, that's a, that's a piece of content right there. Cool. So you would recommend having a media page for most small businesses to make themselves available to appear on local media?
0: Yeah, but also make the effort to get to know your local media as well. So there's lots of tools that you can use. Um, One of them is called Muckrack. And that helps you figure out who is the media contact um, who writes about, for example, you know, animals or food or, you know, health uh, in your market. And Uh then you can get to know those reporters and reporters get tons of really terrible press releases on a regular basis. So just making that extra effort to be there as an expert, as opposed to spamming people with press releases can really make a difference. And once you build that relationship with that reporter, then they're more likely to, so let's say, for example, you did an interview and it went really well and you helped promote it, which looks good for them because one of the things that reporters are graded on is how many people read the actual article that Uh they put out there. But then you can say, hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I have this event coming up, for example. And then perhaps they can toss that onto the right person and do you a favor. So it's building those relationships.
1: That's great. So I'm a big believer in the 80-20 rule. I've done podcasts about this as well, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know the Pareto principle, 20% of your effort delivers 80% of your results. And this sounds like one of those things where you go that extra mile, but it falls into that 20% of effort that will deliver 80% of results.
0: Yeah, it's like when you go to a networking event, instead of walking around all night handing out your business card, you talk to a couple people and say, how can I help you? Yes. You actually help those people, you get that return.
1: Absolutely. I love it. Okay. So deliver results, focus on delivering results. That's the best way to grow your brand rather than just trying to promote your brand for its own sake. Deliver results to people and they will promote it for you.
0: Well, no, nobody cares about your business as much as you do. So really, I mean, you may think that something is super fascinating, but it may be only tangentially interesting at best. Mm -hmm. So it's important to take that perspective as well and say like, is this actually news or is this just me being excited about something?
1: Great, great, great point. So that's another good test. Ask yourself, is this really newsworthy or is this a storm in a teacup? And I just think (laughs) it's a big deal because I'm biased. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Okay. Could you talk about some of the biggest challenges you've noticed when it comes to people getting started with creating high-value content and what's worked best when it comes to overcoming them? One, obviously, is the one you just mentioned, and that is ask yourself, is this really newsworthy? Is this really going to make an impact? Is this really going to deliver results to the to the reader or to the audience? And if not, maybe I shouldn't be publishing it. Maybe even have somebody else you can ask, an objective person to review that content before you release it into the world. But are there any other suggestions you have about overcoming challenges?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people discount their best content ideas because they think they're not interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, people ask all sorts of questions all day. And when we come up with content calendars for clients, often they're like, really people are going to be interested in this? Like, yes, people are actually Googling this right now. <laughs> so right. Uh, trust, trust the data and what people are actually looking for. and write about that. And Uh, A lot of people get hung up on, oh, I'm not a good writer. Like, start to work with a freelance writer if you feel that you personally are not a good writer. I mean, uh, a content process we go through with our clients often is um, our writer will set up a quick, like, 10, 15 minute phone interview with the client because they're the subject matter expert to go over the questions that we have to build the article. And then the article is written, we have uh, an internal style guide that we use to follow the process of, you know, does this client use conjunctions? Do they use colloquial language? You know, do they refer to themselves as I or we? Um, how do we talk to the clients or patients? And then once that's built, um, we can use that as a guide for all of their content. And then the client doesn't find no readover to make sure we didn't misinterpret anything. And then... It goes, gets published, and then the promotion piece starts. So before any piece of content is started, we know who the audience is, how we're going to reach them, what the point of the article is going to be, what sorts of you know SEO considerations that we have. Mm-hmm. Writing the article itself is actually one of the last pieces of the process. There's a lot of planning that goes into it ahead of it.
1: Okay. Dana, could you talk a little bit about other forms of content as well? I mean, written content is, is one form, but you've got audio content like the podcast we're recording now, or video content like the video we're recording now. So what are your thoughts on those forms of content?
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally actually don't like watching videos. I'm a reader.
1: Yep. So
0: <laughs> I find it really interesting the kinds of videos that people watch. Um, and I know, especially on Facebook, for example, video is fantastic. So we do video content as well, but it's, it's picking the right kind of video for what you can do and what resources you have, you know, not everybody has a professional recording studio um, or not everybody has a TV set that they can just do something interesting on. Um, And I also think that if you know, for example, you know the video is going to be on Facebook or Instagram, you don't have to make it the most high quality rent-a- TV camera kind of video of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, you can get away with it. And and I think if the content is good, then people can overlook some of the foibles in production. I mean, look at Rand's early whiteboard Fridays, right? They started out looking not good (laughs) and he's holding the whiteboard in one hand, you know, that kind of thing. And then it got better over time and now it's very well produced. Um, But I also think that uh, you have to get more comfortable with the content. And and part of that comfort level is just trying out different stuff. It's like how you become a better writer over time. You become better with doing videos over time or doing um, radio or podcasts over time. Um, For example, I do a column on CBC Edmonton every Monday. It's a technology column. And I've done it for almost four years now. Mm -hmm. And that is four years of five-minute slots once a week. And it's made me a much better speaker on podcasts, for example. So just practice, practice, practice. And then in terms of actually publishing that content, again, consider the audience, consider where you're going to put it out. And... Think about repurposing the content. So, I was just going to say that. We've done it. Yeah, we've done a video. Then, you know, get a transcript of this. And then, how do you turn that into a blog post? Or take a blog post and turn it into a video or a podcast or a motion graphic. Um, We do a fair number of motion graphics as well, because sometimes that's the easiest, best way to illustrate a point. Um, and, and don't be afraid to take the same topic and present it in two or three different ways to reach those different audiences.
1: That was actually the next thing I was going to ask you. Is there any issues you believe around overlap? So if I've, say we've recorded this video, if I publish it as a podcast, I publish it on YouTube, and then I turn it, uh, t- take the transcript out and turn it into a blog post. Would, what about the concerns around repetition or the audience feeling like, I've just heard the audio version of this and now I'm reading the written version?
0: Well, again, think of the point that, you know, only you are the most interested in your business. People may not have caught the podcast or maybe they started the video and said, oh, you know, half an hour. I can't be bothered to listen to all of that. I'll just read this blog post instead. Or they're like me and they hate video or they're like other people and they hate to read. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're thinking about presenting the right kind of content to the right audience. But also the fact that it's very unlikely unless someone is your, your biggest fan ever that they're going to do video and audio and reading.
1: Right, right. Yeah, okay, so if they've come across the content before, they're just going to skip over, yeah, for, of course. Yes. Okay. All right, so um, there is one other thing I want to actually ask you about, Dana, and that was you mentioned MuckRack. Uh, that's a great mm-hmm. resource, which I'll definitely link to in the show notes, but is that available in most countries or is that just for the U.S.?
0: Uh, it is available in other countries. I have found um, that they're not as great outside of the US. But what I do, if I find a media source that they don't have in their database, I email them and they just add it right away. They're really responsive to feedback. Oh, cool. um, so for example, in Alberta, we have a lot of tiny radio stations that publish news articles, but they're not necessarily picked up by Muckrack. Every time I find one of those, I just email Muckrack and they take care of it.
1: Awesome. That's fantastic mm-hmm. to know because I'll probably then be helping muckrack with building their databases in australia so
0: yeah and i mean for us we we have a client in australia as well so that's something that we'll be working on too
1: oh awesome Cool. All right. So let's move to my favorite section of the podcast, and that's the action section. So I'm going to just do a little recap on the key action points that came up for me, and then maybe you can add to them if you feel like I've missed anything. Some of the key takeaways from this discussion that business owners or listeners can take action on right now is get Google Now on your iOS device or your Android device. It is an excellent tool to get an understanding of what content is trending and what content matters. It also gives you a lot of information about things that are available in your location if you're traveling and that sort of thing. So definitely get that. Check out Muckrack. Is it muckrack.com, Dana? Yes, it is. Yep. Yep. So check out muckrack.com. That's M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K.com. Yep. And don't discount content ideas because you think that they aren't great. Have some kind of a neutral way of assessing whether your content ideas are newsworthy or not. And equally, don't try and publish content ideas unless you're confident that they're newsworthy. So have some kind of an external feedback loop before you publish content. Another one was get in touch with your local media and try and become visible on your local media. And when you create content, for goodness sakes, don't just create rubbish, create content that's useful, that delivers results, and that moves your audience to a better place than they were in before they consume that content. Anything else you'd like to add, Dana? Uh,
0: about the befriending the media thing, um, I don't know if a lot of other cities do this, but in Edmonton, there's annually a meet the media tweet up, uh-huh. um, which I try to go to if I'm in town. And uh, it's great to meet the people behind, you know, the Twitter handles and the TV shows. Um, and so if your town doesn't have one, maybe start one, uh, because I'm sure the media would love to have an evening to get out and have a couple drinks and get to meet their fellow
1: reporters as well. Right. Sounds great. like a great idea. Okay. So Dana, what books have had the biggest impact on you and why?
0: Well, I think um, one of the books that had the biggest impact on me was actually Getting Things Done by David Allen, which oh, I'm sure cool. a lot of people have mentioned. Yeah, I <laughs> read that, yeah. I, yeah, I'm a serial procrastinator. I used to be. I'm much better now. I'm reformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the books. The other one was The Now Habit. Um, okay. And I can't remember who wrote that, unfortunately, but that's the, cool. it's yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great book. And the combination of those two books really helped me organize myself and my time um, to be able to do things more effectively. Because you know, when you're a serial procrastinator, you spend most of your time thinking about how terrible you are that you haven't done the thing as opposed to actually doing the thing. So that was enormously helpful. Um, another book for me was Selling the Invisible, uh-huh. uh, which was very... I used to not have a lot of confidence in my ability in business development. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that book really helped me because obviously you're selling... You know, we don't necessarily sell physical things unless we're doing branding for a client that involves business cards or, um, you know, little uh, swag, for example. But most of the time we're selling vid- digital goods that, that the client is never going to touch or feel. Yes. So that's where a book like that can really come in handy to help you um, focus on how to sell that. And my business partner recently finished reading a book called uh, Seducing Strangers. And I haven't mm-hmm. read it yet, but it's on my desk. That's going to be the next book I'm going to read.
1: Okay. About selling the invisible, is that about mindset mainly or is it about techniques around selling digital products?
0: Uh, it's about techniques, and it's for service-based businesses of all stripes. So if you don't sell a thing, but you sell what you do, um, any sort of consulting. It's a, I have the original edition, but I think there's a more recently updated one that talks a little bit more about selling digital stuff. When it was first written, the internet wasn't really a thing. So <laughs> they updated it a little
1: bit. Cool. Now, there's one big takeaway that I just wanted to mention to listeners that really has come through from our conversation as well. I, in fact, just spoke to Lisa Myers, who you may know in a previous episode, and she She talks about this case study where she worked a lot with a particular Norwegian not-for-profit local tourist board. And she really spent a lot of time understanding the audience. And that's something I forgot to mention in my action section. The importance of understanding your audience before you publish content and just create content that really solves the audience's problem. And I think that's really come through a lot in our conversation too, hasn't it, Dana?
0: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people need to uh, not think of content as self-promotion, but content for help. Um, you know, people are obviously looking for an answer to a solution. They're not like, oh, I'm going to go read a business blog today. <laughs> they're actually, they're, they're there with a purpose. I'm going to read a business blog today because I want to be a better business owner. Or I'm going to read this accounting blog because I feel like I don't know what I'm doing and tax time is coming up and it was really terrible last year. You know, th- think about the kinds of questions that they're asking themselves. Um, and a, a really simple content formula is I am a something who wants to learn about something so that I can do something. So if you think about all your content, approaching it from that type of way, um, you can start to build that audience intent and understand what the point of why, why we're here and why we're writing this. What, what are we doing this for?
1: All right. How does a listener find out more about you, Dana, and how they, can they get in touch with you if they wish to?
0: Yeah. So uh, our website is kickpoint.ca, mm-hmm. k-i-c-k-p-o-i-n-t.ca. No dashes or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the company name is two words. Don't forget. And <laughs> I'm on okay. Twitter at Dana D Tommaso. Um, You can always reach me there. You can just email me at dana at kickpoint.ca.
1: Cool. Well, I'll definitely post all that in the show notes as well. It was absolutely wonderful to have you on the show, Dana. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Some of the key takeaways in terms of insights from this episode that really stood out for me is that people often fail to do audience research before planning their content. So that is pretty key. You need to think about how content can improve the quality of your brand. And one of the best ways to improve the quality of a brand is think about how you can deliver results to your audience. So rather than trying to pitch your services or your content or your products to your audience, think about what aspects of your content could be useful to your audience and will actually transform their lives from the situation that they're currently in to the situation they want to be at. For this, you need to understand what your audience's biggest challenges are and what their needs are and solve those problems. Another really good one was how to repurpose your content. So I think you should consider repurposing video content into audio and audio into blog posts by using something like Rev.com. I'll post that in the show notes. And when you repurpose content, don't worry too much about repetition, This is something that I have actually been quite concerned about in the past, but Dana made a great point. She said that people consume content using different media depending on what is convenient to them. So some people prefer video, some people prefer audio, some people prefer written content, and if they've come across the content before, they're more likely to just skip over it. Having the same information in different mediums or media, depending on how you say it, is definitely not a bad idea. Now, some of the really valuable and related episodes to this episode that I think you will enjoy if you like this one are episode number six with Chris Garrett, where we talk a lot about content marketing, Episode number 23 called Content Marketing for Business Success. That was a solo podcast episode, which also actually has a video on YouTube, which you might want to check out. I'll post the link to that in the show notes. Episode number 32 with Dan Norris on his book Content Machine, which was released on the 10th of August, 2015. The episode with Ran Fishkin, that's episode number 38, on how to create great quality SEO-friendly content. Episode number 46 with Kim Gast, which talks about how to use social media to grow your business and we talk quite a bit about what content you need to put on your social media which I think you'll find useful and episode number 54 with Mackenzie Fogelson which talks predominantly about community building but there are some very good insights into how to use content to build your community in that episode so if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with as many friends as you can so I can get this information out to more people like yourselves and please leave a review on iTunes I would very much appreciate that If you'd like to book a consulting session with me, head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash hire. That's ProductiveInsights.com forward slash H-I-R-E. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?